thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. The Bible says do not give up meeting together and it's so important that we see each other, that we lift God's name together, that we pray together and this morning is no different so well done for coming and well done for being here and for those of you online as well, it's great to have you with us um, from wherever you are, shop from wherever you are showing, from wherever you're watching us, I'm out of practice, my words will be all over the place. Um, we're going to start a new series today and it's a character series we're going to look at a person but before I do that I often wonder if there's an awful lot of difference between the smart price items the everyday items the extra special you know what is the leap between the everyday type tinner soup and the extra special tinner soup anyone anyone knows what the difference is I'm guessing those that have the extra special soup have probably never tried the other so they won't know and I'm guessing most of us that have the everyday haven't tried the extra special. Yeah? I'm quite ordinary. Anyone with me? Yeah, yeah. If I asked you to label yourself, would you be value, you know, ordinary, extra special, or M&S? <laughs> Other supermarkets are available. But obviously, you know, it's easy to compare those things, isn't it, with each other? You might go, oh, I'm not having cereal unless it's Kellogg's, or I'm not having, I'm not having butter unless it's Lurpak. That used to be me, but now it's gone through the roof. I'm quite happy with whatever. I even had vegan butter while I was away, and it was all right. I didn't know it was vegan for the first five days, so it must have been okay. So I think it was made with goat's milk in Greece. But um, it's easy, isn't it, to compare those household objects but actually often we compare ourselves and it makes us more likely to do it. And maybe some of us think of ourselves as we're just ordinary people. Most of us probably have a view of ourselves that's even less than ordinary. But today, as we start this series, we're looking at a prophet of God who was just an ordinary farmer. He was just an ordinary man who God used and God made him extraordinary. So this today, as we start this series and as we look at Elisha, you need to recognise that if you feel ordinary, it's God that puts the extra in. You know, one of the things I believe has been the biggest outpouring towards our Queen is the fact that actually she was such a godly woman. It was God in her life, her faith that made her extraordinary. It was a faith that shone through. It was an ordinary farmer, but he was called to live an extraordinary life. Are we ready to be called to live an extraordinary life? More than more than hopefully yes and that calling is for you and me today to share his word to be God's people to be God's word to be God's love to be God's truth wherever we are and the first thing we see in the story of Elisha is he's called by God he's called by God so just before these verses we're going to read this morning is the incident where Elijah went to the cave had a nap and was fed do you remember that from the river's theme, and Elijah was like, I'm all on my own, and God went, no, you're not, there's others, and then he told him to go and anoint Elisha to be the next prophet, so we've got Elijah, and we've got Elisha, 
So we're looking at Elisha. Everybody say sh. Okay. Doesn't mean shut up, Johnny, hopefully. But anyway. But Elijah is told he's not on his own. So 1 Kings chapter 19 finishes with these three verses. Verses 19 to 21, if you've got your Bible. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then went and left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now, we'll come back to that phrase because it sounds like, what have I done to you? That's how we read it because we have to say, what have I done to you? It doesn't mean that, okay? What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Three verses with an awful lot in them. If you're in a connect group, we're going to look at some other verses as well that look at Elijah leaving and handing it all over to Elisha. But today we're going to focus on these three verses. But the first point I want to make is God will use the ordinary and he will do it unexpectedly and without warning. Elisha had no warning this was going to happen. He was just minding his own business. He was going about the everyday thing. The thing he did every day was farming, plowing his field. He had 12 oxen. That means he was obviously quite wealthy because he had 12 oxen and he was using them to work his field. He was working to earn a living. He was working to feed his family. He was doing the ordinary stuff. What does your everyday business look like? What does your everyday look like? Because today as we look at the character of Elisha, God wants to step into your everyday and say, you need to change that. You need to move and call to me. It might be that you stay in some of that work, but actually you do it for him. He doesn't always call us to leave, but he calls us to be different. Elisha was called unexpectedly. He wasn't expecting this man to come up to him and chuck a cloak over him. It's a bit weird, that, isn't it? This story, as we look at Elisha, I have to tell you, he's a weird bloke. Okay, We've called it extraordinary, but there's some really weird things in this story. So some of them I might just go, <laughs> I can't deal with that, but we'll see. But actually, Elisha is minding his own business. He's in the everyday life. He's in the ordinary when all of a sudden this bloke comes up to him and chucks a coat on him. And then he leaves because it means something. He had plenty of money. He was wealthy. He had family. And he suddenly has a cloak on him. Can you imagine, you know, you're sat at Tesco, if you're man, you know, magnet man in a checkout, and all of a sudden someone comes in and throws the cagoule on you. You know, you call security. You call security and go, what's this nutter? But Elijah was known as the man of God. That cloak had authority. It would have been an animal skin, and it would have marked Elijah out as God's prophet. And Elisha would know this. And all of a sudden, it's a bit like that, um, the old lottery adverts where they say, it could be you, you know. It's instead of a big thumb coming out of the sky, Elijah comes with a massive coat and goes, here you go, have this. A couple of things, though, with having that coat put on him, it was symbolic. It was signified that he was God's prophet. Secondly, it says you're not identified as ordinary anymore. You're not identified as just a farmer. You're not identified as just the everyday. You're extraordinary. You're extra precious. You're extra special because God has called you. 
Today, God might not have called you to be the mouth and the prophet, but God has called you to be his children. God is calling you today, right now, to step up and to be who he's made you to be. God is calling you to be his child. Whoever you are, whatever you think of yourself, you are not identified as that person, but you're identified as God's children if you choose to be part of his family. You're identified as precious if you choose to follow him. You know, there's loads of verses in the Bible about being clothed or covered. If I asked you to shout out, I wouldn't hear any of them because it'd be like, Whoa. but he gives us a garment of praise, doesn't he? Yeah, he clothes us with righteousness. Put on the armour of God. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 27 say, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This cloak was about clothing yourself with something from above. It was about being having that put on you, that mantle put on you. Colossians chapter 3 in the message version, verse 12 to 14 says, So, chosen by God, and I love this verse, for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. Dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. What's the wardrobe God has picked out for you? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered. That means don't get angry. Content with second place. Or if you're a Manchester United fan, I shouldn't talk about that. Content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. The Bible is full of verses where we are told to put on the clothing that God gives us. And what does it do? It identifies us as his because it changes us from the inside out. It's no good just putting on the coat and keeping the inside the same. You know, none of you this morning, I don't think any of you this morning, will have got up. If you just imagine yesterday you played a really tough rugby match. Okay, I'm talking to you, Yvonne, you know. Let's imagine yesterday you played a really tough rugby match in the mud and you were covered in mud and you went to bed without a wash and then got up this morning. You wouldn't think, oh, I'll just put my clothes on on top of that, would you? You'd want to sort yourself out. And God says, I'll sort you out from the inside, but it'll show on the outside because I'll clothe you with these things. So Elisha is given a covering that says to everybody who he is and whose he is. Today, you could be given a covering that says to everybody who you are and will tell everybody whose you are because we'll show love, we'll show passion, we'll show joy, we'll show peace. But we've got to choose to put it on. You know, it's interesting, to put on this cloak, Elisha would have had to put the plough down. You know, the plough, he would have been stood there holding the plough, following the oxen, both hands on the plough. He could not have put a cloak on without putting the plough down. Wouldn't be able to do it, would you? He had to put the plough down. So let's ask ourselves a question as we start this morning. What are we unwilling to put down? God is calling you today to say, I want you all in for me. I want you all in for me. But you just need to put that down. It might be something that's very ordinary. It might be something that's really important to you. But actually, God says, I want you to put it down. Because if we don't put it down, it might stop us from being able to fully wear the garments that God is wanting to give us. If we don't put it down, it might stop you from being clothed properly. 
Let me read that list again. Love, compassion, kindness, humility. They're all good things, aren't they? Would we not want to see those in our life? And yet we're not putting something down that's stopping us from being clothed that way. What are we not putting down? Today, as ordinary people, we can be clothed in Jesus himself. And that covering says to people, we're children of God. It says to the enemy, we're children of God. You know, I was thinking about the Passover lamb. When they painted that blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the angel of death knew to pass over. It's the same. When we cover ourselves with the blood of the lamb, the enemy knows to pass over. It shows on the outside because he's dealt with our eternal situation. So first thing first, if you're ordinary, God will meet you and he'll do it unexpectedly. Even today, he might be talking to you. Even today, he might be challenging you. He will do it out of the blue sometimes. But the important thing is that we're listening and that we're willing to put down the things that will help us dress in the wardrobe he's given us. Second thing, Elisha ran. This weird man comes and chucks a cloak on him and says, follow me if you like. And Elisha ran after him. It doesn't say he ummed and ahed. He spent a few weeks thinking about it. And then he said, I'll come back to you on Monday. I'll email you later in the week. He didn't say that, partly because he didn't have emails. But he ran after Elijah. You know, second thing is this. God is worth running after. God is worth running after. Not just ambling behind, not just a little stroll, not just a gentle walk, but running full pelt after because he has our best intention. Elisha doesn't just carry on. He shows urgency. I'm really encouraged today by the number of people who are sat at the front, okay? We used to go to many a Christian festival in the summer, and at Soul Survivor, put your hand up if you came to Soul Survivor with us, okay? When that tent, massive tent that could hold about 15,000 people, I think, at a push, when that tent opened its flaps at half past six, there was a queue of young people, not quite as big as the one that's going on in London at the minute. There was a queue, and as soon as those flaps opened, it was like the starting pistol on a race. Honestly, if you were stuck in the middle of it, it was a little bit scary, because those young people wanted to be at the front. They wanted to be where it was all going to happen. They wanted to be there. They were determined. Sometimes it was a bit like that at Keswick, but they also had weapons like walking sticks to get you out of the way at Keswick. Um, sorry, no offence to those who, who go to Keswick. But people would wait to be as close to the front as possible. I don't know if you've ever stood on Euston Station waiting for a platform to be announced. Anyone? What happens as soon as that platform is announced? <laughs> Why? Because people want to get there. They want the best seat. They want the best place. They want to be in that prize. Yet in church, we don't always see that same desire. We don't always see that running after. It seems okay to come as last minute as possible. I'm not guilt tripping anyone here. But actually, what is it that's going to make us run after Jesus? What is it that's going to make us go, I want to be where, I want to be down that front. I want to be there. I want to be focused. Elisha ran after Elijah because his life wasn't going to stay ordinary. It was going to become extraordinary. Why? Because he ran after Jesus. He ran after Elijah. He ran after God. He ran after those things. But he does say this. Can I go back and say goodbye? He says to Elijah, is it okay? I'm going to do this, but can I go back and say goodbye? 
You know, often in the Bible, that was more about waiting for parents to die and be buried. It wasn't just a quick, see you guys, I'm off. Often it was a case of, I'm going to go back and wait till they've finished and then I can leave them. But Elijah says this, what have I done to you? Now, it doesn't mean, what have I done to you? It doesn't mean that. It means, don't forget what I've just done. Don't forget what I've just done. Don't forget what I've just done. Do you know, many a time on a Sunday morning, we see people respond in prayer. We see people go to receive prayer. We see people who go, yes, I want to live full out for God. And probably by half past 12, some of them have forgotten what God has just done. Elijah says, don't forget what I've just done. Don't forget you've just been called. Don't forget what God has spoken. Don't forget that you've been chosen. Don't forget what's going to happen next. So Elisha went back, but we see commitment. Third point is this. God calls us to commitment. Elisha was all in. He was all in for God. goes back to the, a few weeks ago where I said, don't be a dabbler. <laughs> he was all in for God. How do we know he was all in for God? Well, first of all, he kills his oxen and burns his equipment. He was a farmer. Now, some of you are sitting there going, ooh, that's a bit cruel. But actually, he does it to throw a party. It's a fellowship offering. In the Old Testament, a fellowship offering was to provide the food for the priests. And Elisha basically says, I've been called by God. I'm not going to need these things anymore. I've been called to step away from it. It's literally burning his bridges. He's literally getting rid of the tools of his trade so that there's nothing to go back to. Once he's gone and he's all in, he's not going to turn around and go, actually, this isn't working out. I'm going to be off. There is full commitment. He threw a big party with his prime rib and used the wood for the barbecue. There was going to be no going back. Elisha's decision was irreversible. It wasn't a case of, well, I'll try it and see. It wasn't a case of, well, if it gets a bit tough, I'll go back to what I used to know. It wasn't a case of, well, if this one doesn't work out, I'll jump to this one. You know, if this, if this group of people doesn't work out that I'm with, I'll try and join another group of people. It wasn't that. It was all in, commitment, full on. You cannot go back. Once you've made this Elisha was proving himself in his outward actions, you know, so often, we want to live in a world where we don't have risk, don't we? I've got a picture to show you. I think it should be there, Oggy. Hopefully. You, can you see that slide? Okay? That was a slide. Put your hand up if you grew up with parks that had slides like that. Yeah? Okay? And we're still alive, everybody. I want to point out we're still alive. That slide, I, you know, I had no fear going on that slide. Why don't we have them anymore? Health and safety. <laughs> Which can be a very good thing. I went to a water park in Crete. I banged my elbow. I, I slapped my back. I bust my nose. My son head-butted me. And it looked like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'll come to that story another time. Not today. <laughs> I don't think they had any health and safety. And before we went there, I did read some TripAdvisor reviews that basically said they didn't have any health and safety. But I had fun. It was great. And actually, I'm still here to tell the tale. That slide was my childhood. Yet now, we've lowered the height of them. We've put bigger sides on them. We've covered them. There's little, there's tarmacs all soft and squishy. It's like, what's that all about? I've got scars on my knees where I scuffed them. Who wants to, you know, this is risk. So often, we want life where actually, 
well, I'll go on it if I know the sides are big enough to keep me in, if I know it's not too high that I'm going to go too fast, if I know the ending's going to be quite soft and gentle, then I'll go on it. Jesus says, I'm inviting you on adventure. There will be risk. Not because he'll let you down, but because there'll be days where it's difficult. There'll be times where it's hard. There'll be days where you'll feel like giving it, throwing in the towel. Elijah has just, Elijah has just come from that position. He was like, I give up, I want to die, do you remember? He wanted to throw in the towel. And yet, he brushes himself down, steps up again and goes again because he knows God is faithful. He knows God is with him. He knows he can expect a miracle when it's needed. That slide says excitement to me. To some people it goes, ooh, it's a bit dangerous. Do you know there is no actual risk with Jesus? What were Jesus' most common words to his disciples? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not worry. And yet so often our life is consumed with fear and worry. Yet Jesus says, from with you, I am with you. I will be with you for always. You know, when we do commit, it might involve loss. Elisha lost his livelihood. He gave it up. He literally burnt his bridges. The yoke was the thing that drove the, the oxen, if you like. It was the thing that balanced on their back. What's your yoke today? What is the burden you have that you're unwilling to give over, that you're unwilling to let go? I know there are people in this room who even the last couple of weeks have let go quite drastically of things. And I know that in making those steps, God will bless you. I know that when we give it all for God, he will not let us down. I handed my notice in at school when I felt God call me to do youth work. I was told I was stupid. Once by my mum which is a very scary thing to hear. I was told, you don't do that. You wait till an organisation comes along. I was told about lots of other things. But in that scary moment, God gave us a peace. We had a family, we had two children, we had a mortgage, we had bills. What was I playing at? But in those moments, God reassured me. And God engineered the perfect job for me. God engineered, and I don't mean, I love, I love working here, but in terms of my schoolwork at the time, I still did two and a half days a week at school before job shares were even heard of. And then I was given a job where I had no staff meetings, no parents' evenings, no marking, not much report writing. Yes, <laughs> get in. Sorry to anyone who's a teacher at New Balance, but I don't think they'll do it again. But actually, there was risk on a human level. But when God calls us, he says, I'm with you. I'm in it with you. I've said this is going to be okay, and it's okay. When we bought this building, there was an element of risk on a human level. We didn't have the money. Still don't have the money. And yet, we have become a, a bigger church. And I don't mean in numbers, I mean in growth. We've learned faith. We've learned what it is to be on an adventure where God has gone. You know, last week, when we were told on Monday night that we were thinking, you know, we'll go and ask for 35,000. There's not a chance that we'll buy that house, really. And Paul said on Monday night, there was 45,000 pound offered. I was like, wow. What an encouragement is that? That God always gives more. 
You know, even though he was saying, I'll give you more, but it's not that. He was encouraging us. It's encouraging. You know, God maybe today is calling some of us to commit for the first time. Elisha showed he was committed because he got rid of the stuff that he could go back to. Literally burn bridges. There are people in here today, maybe me included, where there's things we're holding on to and we refuse to let go. Elisha set them on fire and gave them away and left. Today, God is calling you. I don't know what it is, who it is, where it is, but God is saying you need to let go and you need to get rid and you need to turn your back on it for good because it will not let you be clothed with my glory. It will not see life as it should be to the full. It will not have you, it will not give you the life that I promise if you don't let go of it. And I can't say that any clearer, but I know some of us will leave this room and forget that I've said that. And we'll immediately go back to the things that are damaging us. We'll immediately go back to the life that is making misery of us and our family. There are many of us in this place now who will say the right things, do the right things. We might even lift our arms in praise. But you know what? God sees the inside and he knows what our commitment is. You're not fooling him. You're not fooling him. Maybe God is calling some of us to recommit today. Maybe we haven't really been all in with the things that he's called us to. Maybe it's a day to say, I need to recommit. Maybe it's our work situation. Maybe we've been called to serve him in our workplace. Maybe it's our marriages where he's called us to demonstrate that sacrificial love. Maybe it's other relationships where we've just stopped trying. Do you know, when we follow Jesus, there's no going back on it. When we follow Jesus, we follow him to the cross. We need to be all in. Because when commitment isn't there, we will not be able to make the hard decisions that are needed. If we don't commit now, if we don't go all in, we will not be able to have the strength to stand when it matters. Maybe some of us have not gone all in with him. Maybe we try and have a few options. Maybe we try and have a few little things on the side just in case and not rely on Christ to the full. The first place he goes after this story is Gilgal. Gilgal was a valley. Interesting, isn't it? God calls Elisha, the first place he's taken is into a valley. It's a bit like Jesus. First place he goes is into a wilderness after his baptism. God will call you and maybe he'll take you through a difficult and dark valley. Maybe he'll take you through difficult times. But actually, in those times, you build and gather the fruit for the mountaintop. In those times, you gather the experience and the perseverance that grows faith. Even Jesus was led through the desert. But you know, God will lead us through and will lead us into the exact places he wants us to be if we're all in for him. Elisha was all in. He was committed. He knew that the only way to go was to run after God. No turning back. You know, we often sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We sing it. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. We sing these songs. They're great, aren't they? They're supposed to change us. They're supposed to be our prayers. They're not just words. They're not just nice tunes. Sometimes you might think they're not even that. But actually, 
They're supposed to change us. We're supposed to say, no turning back. Well, this morning, are you ordinary? Let God be the extra. How do you do that? By running after him, by committing to him, and by turning those things from the, turning the things away that will keep dragging you back to where you shouldn't be. Elisha shouldn't have been where he was in the end because God said, I want you to come with me. 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 14 will be followed in our house groups, our connect groups this week, where Elijah is taken and Elisha finally becomes that prophet. But this morning as we finish, the challenge is, are you willing to commit to God? Or are you willing to recommit to God, to give your all, to be all in with him? Maybe to recommit to some of the places and people you've called to be in, and maybe to burn some of those yokes that are holding you back. Maybe to put down the things that are stopping you. And also, when you leave this place to hear those words, don't forget what I've done. Don't forget. Don't go straight back. Don't immediately jump back into those issues. Run towards me. That's the invitation for both of us who are Christian and not today. To run towards him. To commit or to recommit. Our prayer team will be at the back as we worship. And if that's you this morning, don't go for prayer every week in that sense. Go once and go, no, I'm doing it, and then just do it. But this week, maybe there are couples who need to recommit. Maybe there are friends that need to recommit. Maybe there are people who need to commit for the first time. Maybe there are people who have who've given up a little bit, who've stopped working forwards. Today, recommit as we begin this look at how God makes things extraordinary. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that we can read about the lives of your people and we can learn so much. But Father, we need you. Father, right now as we sit in this quiet, bring to mind those things that we need to put down that stop us being clothed by you. Bring to mind those things we need to totally burn our bridges with. Bring to mind those, those people, those places that we know aren't good for us. But Father, bring to mind the fact that it's worth running after you. Help us to see ourselves running into your arms. Jesus was all in for me. He gave everything that I might live, that I might be free. And yet so often, I want the safety rails up. I want the soft landing. Father God, today in this place, I pray by your spirit that you will change lives. I pray, Lord, that people right now will be convicted of the things they need to go for prayer for and that, Father God, they will not forget what you've told them, but they will press on and run towards you. In the name of Jesus, amen.